0: A Bombardier Q400 crashes at the Kathmandu Airport in Nepal. How did the captain's behavior have such a deep influence on the crash? Welcome back to the Hard Landings Podcast, everybody. I'm Nick.
1: I'm Miranda. And I'm Christy. Oh, hey. And hi. Hi. And we're recording this on Father's Day, so happy Father's, happy Father's Day, Day. Day to all the, the or dads. Or something. Although still you, you won't hear it till two weeks and some change from now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> My dad this morning uh, FaceTimed us while we were still in bed, and he uh, dumped the package of ducks, rubber ducks, that I got <laughs> on his head. 100 rubber ducks. I got 100 rubber ducks for him. I also got him on an RC helicopter, but... Yeah, it starts with him holding this box over his head and he just dumps it on him. Hundred rubber ducks just go falling all over the floor.
1: That's amazing.
2: And then he
0: sent me a picture later on the day um, of all the ducks organized on the table.
1: <laughs> I went to my grandparents and ate ice cream cake
2: and ate sandwiches and stuff. Nice. That's nice. what I did. Cool. So
0: we went to your dad's on Friday, so yeah.
2: Yeah. Where I sold slime. We play the slime. Slime is fun. It was a lot of time. Okay. Okay. What are we covering today,
1: Nick?
0: We are covering U.S. Bangla Airlines Flight 211.
1: Okay. Explain to me what what that is. <laughs> okay. Yes. It's
0: a Bengali airline.
1: Okay. Good to know. Yep. Please continue. All right.
2: Thank you to Ryan Ackill again for recommending this particular crash. He mm. also had recommended AirBlue 202, which yeah, was a previous it. episode.
0: We appreciate it. This one. This one's going to take you on a ride. Because it was a ride, and, and Miranda's going to get real mad at history.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, hashtag get prepared. <laughs> and when we say history, we mean not that long ago? Yeah, how
0: about two years ago?
2: What? <laughs> Just
0: over two years ago. Uh-oh,
1: <laughs> this
2: isn't going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: So this report, as a matter of fact, is only a year and five months old.
2: Yeah. Why, hell?
0: So this happened on March 12th of 2018.
2: Oh,
1: wow, yeah, not very long ago at
0: Not all. at all. This was a, a DHC-8402, or a Dash 8 Q400, okay. or as Thank it is you. aptly known today, just the Q400.
2: Though which, many still know it as a Dash 8.
0: Yeah, we we won't get into all of the ridiculous names this thing has gone through. It's we'll made
2: just, in Canada.
0: Yes, it was made in Canada.
2: Which is actually Canada, I'm not just dumb.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it is a Q400, as we will refer to it with the tail number of Sierra 2-Alpha Golf Uniform. The captain for this flight or as we will refer to him through this entire thing as the pilot in command or PIC. Wait, we are? You don't have to. Okay. Just so you know the term is interchangeable in this story, mostly because of the report he was written in as the pilot in command or PIC during the entire thing. So, we've also done that somewhat. We've mixed in captain and PIC. Same thing. Just so you know. His name was Abid Sultan. He was 52 years old. He had 500 and, or 5,500 hours total, of which 1,700 hours were on the type. The first officer was Prithula Rashid. She was 25 years old, so pretty young.
1: Yeah, she's almost our age.
0: Yeah. Now, here's the interesting part. She had 390 hours total, so very little, only 390 hours, of which 240 hours were on the type. So prior to flying the Dash 8, she'd only had 150 hours of flying.
1: It's, I'm interested to know that she was flying for an airline with such small amount of experience.
0: Yes. Now, obviously, it's country to country, and this was probably within regulations for all I know. Yeah. I do know that they were qualified to fly the airplane, both of them. So, yeah, she was still a very new pilot and pretty new to the airplane, but 240 hours on the type, so the majority of her time flying so far was in a Dash 8.
2: It's more hours than you have.
0: Yep, it's more hours than I have. <laughs> but I don't fly at Ash 8, so.
2: 2-400. <laughs>
1: and you don't fly for an airline, so.
0: <laughs> All right. So, this flight was to be from the Hazrat Shish Jalal International Airport in Dhaka, Bangladesh, to Tripuvan International Airport in Kathmandu, in Nepal. So, this was an international flight. Hmm. And Nepal is, you know, it's known for Mount Everest and the mountains in the Himalayas and Kathmandu is known for being a notoriously very difficult airport.
1: Yes. We I have I know of a crash that happened due to its difficulty.
0: Yes, it is notoriously a difficult difficult airport to land, but it is still a major airport. All times in this report will be in Kathmandu time and this report did not make that easy because it put them in UTC time. And Katmandu time is 5 hours and 45 minutes off of UTC time.
1: Interesting.
0: So it is one of three time zones that is 45 minutes off from the rest of the world.
2: Pretty sure it's just to be inconvenient to the rest of us.
0: <laughs> At this point, it sure feels like it.
2: Their it's... flag is also uh, unique. Yes. It is not a rectangle.
0: Unlike the rest of the world.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah. So they're special.
0: So they're special all around. So that said, at 12.36 p.m. Kathmandu time, the flight departed Bangladesh without issue. The flight occurred mostly without issue, and at 1.37 p.m. and 4 seconds, the flight made their first contact with Kathmandu. At 1.52 p.m. and 49 seconds, the first officer contacted the Kathmandu controller and requested their descent. They, the air traffic controller gave them the clearance to descend to 16,000 feet with an estimated approach time of 2.11 p.m., and the first officer acknowledged this. At 1:55 p.m., the flight was handed over to Kathmandu Approach, the approach controller. At 1:56 p.m., the approach air traffic controller instructed them to descend to 13,500 feet and hold at Guras, which is an intersection. So it's a it's a, just a holding point out away from the airport. The crew inserted this hold into their flight management system, so the computer in the airplane in the airplane that's telling the airplane navigationally where to go. At 1.58 p.m. and 41 seconds, the Kathmandu Approach Controller further instructed the flight to reduce its speed and descend to 12,500 feet. At 2.01 p.m., the Kathmandu Approach Controller instructed the aircraft to further descend to 11,500 and then cleared them for the VOR approach to Runway 02, maintaining minimum approach speed. So they wanted them to go as slow as possible. Cleared them for this VOR approach, so they were to fly to a VOR, make their turn, and then fly inbound to the airport. The hold in the flight management system, however, was not cancelled over Guras, so it was the airplane was still going to fly to that point and circle. Upon reaching Guras, the aircraft turned left to enter the holding pattern. This was noticed immediately by the pilot in command and the first officer, and immediately the captain made corrections and simultaneously this was alerted to the crew by the approach controller. So the airplane immediately started to turn left at that point where they forgot they had told they had put in the computer that they wanted to do that, and it began to do that left turn, and everybody noticed. And so the pilot in command immediately tried to correct this, and he did so by putting in a heading of 027 in heading mode on the autopilot. He did this to try to intercept the Kathmandu VOR for the approach. The airplane proceeded past the desired course directed to the VOR at 7 nautical miles from the VOR which is okay because they were planning to fly to that track 7 nautical miles from it turn and go straight inbound well instead 7 nautical miles out they flew past that track and they continued to the other side of the track for several miles as the airplane was still in heading mode so it continued on the 027 heading rather than following the VOR at 2:12 p.m. as the airplane reached 2 to 3 nautical miles from the VOR The air traffic controller at at the Kathmandu Tower alerted them that their clearance to land was given for runway 02, but they were currently approaching runway 20, the other end. The tower controller asked their intentions, to which the pilot in command replied that they wanted to land on runway 02, so the runway that they were actually given instructions to land on, but they were still currently on the other end. They were trying to land on 20. The aircraft then made a 360-degree turn to the right, for a holding pattern, basically. The air traffic controller then instructed them to join the downwind for runway 02 and report when the traffic landing on runway 02 was in sight. So in other words, there was another airplane on the other end of the runway landing where they were supposed to be. And they wanted them to report that traffic in sight, but they wanted them to fly past the airport on the right side to turn around and come in on the correct runway instead of on the the end they're on.
1: So they were instructed to go to the proper side of the runway. Yes, Because correct. the tower controller saw they were on the wrong side to land on 02. Correct. Okay. I was just going to ask, why did no one say they were in the wrong spot?
0: <laughs> the air traffic controller did several okay. times. Okay, cool. However, instead of joining the downwind, the aircraft continued on its 360 degree turn, still on the wrong side of the airport. The air traffic controller then instructed them to remain clear of runway two zero, be it that there was traffic, and continue to hold while the other traffic completed the landing on runway zero two. They did so. At two seventeen, after the aircraft had landed, the air traffic controller allowed the flight the choice of runways to land on, at this point, because it was becoming difficult. The flight made another three hundred and sixty degrees, but in the other direction this time, still on the wrong side of the airport.
1: So they're just going in circles? Yes. Yep.
0: and they decided, <laughs> and they decided that they would land on runway two zero.
1: So they finally decided they'd land on two zero. Yes, which so they the, realized they were on the which side of the airport they were on.
0: They realized which side of the airport they were on, and they decided to just land on the the basically the wrong direction than what they were originally giving. Which the air traffic controller gave them the choice at that point. So right. they went with that.
1: But they're still just circling.
0: Yep, they were in just circling.
1: Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> As the airplane apro- approached the runway threshold at. 2.18pm and 27 seconds, the tower controllers noticed that the plane was close to the ground, and not at all aligned with the center line of the runway. The tower controllers cancelled the landing clearance, saying, takeoff clearance cancelled. Yes, just to add to the confusion. To which the crew did not respond. They flew low over some buildings, then pulled up and nearly missed the control tower. The tower controllers even ducked their heads, thinking that the aircraft would go through the tower. At 2.19pm, the aircraft crossed erratically over the busy passenger ramp at Kathmandu, over to the runway, where it impacted heavily on one wheel, then left the runway and proceeded off the left side, through a perimeter fence and into a ditch, where the airplane broke apart and erupted into a large fire. Of those on board, 47 passengers and all four crew members perished in the accident, for a total of 51, but 20 passengers were seriously injured, but survived. Good for them. Yeah, pretty amazing when you'll see oh good <laughs> examination of the captain showed that there that the cause of death was multiple trauma injuries to the head and the chest tied with carbon monoxide poisoning what so so this yes this gets interesting and the first officer on the other hand the cause of death was showed to be blunt force to the head
1: Just blunt force to the head? Just blunt force
0: to the head. So what that means is that the first officer had blunt force to the head that basically immediately killed her, and the captain had blunt force to the head and the chest, but actually died because he couldn't move from that, and instead inhaled...
1: Too much smoke?
0: Too much smoke. So he was alive after the accident.
1: Okay. Great.
0: (laughs) But then died. Isn't it? (laughs) As for wreckage, the aircraft touched down 1,700 meters, so in feet. You're talking almost 5000 feet past the threshold of the runway. Awesome. Left the center left of the center line where it left a very large tire mark and then it departed the left side of the runway. It went through that outer perimeter fence, damaging that, down into down a rough slope and impacted the other side of the ditch. The aircraft broke into several large sections. The engines, landing gear and the APU were mostly or completely separated from the airframe. The aircraft exploded and had a very large post-crash fire, but First responders were on the move to the crash site within 16 seconds of the crash. Good. Yes, because... they
2: all watched it happen. Because
0: everybody saw it happen. Literally everybody.
1: Well, they have emergency people at the airport anyway, so...
0: Yes, there is an unbelievably dramatic video of this, several actually, of this.
1: I'm, I'm still very oh, okay. confused. Sorry. You're going Real to be quick.
0: very confused.
1: I'm confused on how they...
0: Allow me to show you I... a map.
1: I'm I'm so I'm so confused right now. I don't understand how this all could go so wrong. It looks like they made a pretzel. Yes, they did well, make a so pretzel. So they made
0: one 360, and Talking then they made another Mike. 360. Well, I'm just showing the picture. Our listeners can't see this. They made one 360, crossed over, made another 360 before proceeding toward the airport. We'll get what? into we'll get into how poor this approach was in a moment. What? This is just as confusing as you think, and it only gets more so. I'm very confused. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder.
1: All right. I'm still confused.
0: So we showed her the video, which, yeah, doesn't clear anything up. It just shows you how crazy the crash was.
2: So this investigation was performed by an ad hoc accident investigation commission appointed by the government of Nepal, as the Nepal government does not currently have an independent aviation accident investigation body. Fun fact. It has been suggested that one be formed, and as far as I can find, that is in the works, but has not actually been implemented yet. So they basically just took a bunch of people who had some form of experience and threw them into this little investigation commission and said, go figure it out. Anyway, upon examining the wreckage, the investigators did find the black boxes, which were sent to the Transportation Safety Board of Canada for examination, as the Q400 is made in a Canada.
1: Yeah, but sometimes black boxes, even on foreign planes, are made in the United States, so it's good to know
2: that they were made in Canada. Yep. So we'll come back to those briefly. Further examination of the wreckage showed no sign of structural, engine, or system problems prior to impact. Now back to those black boxes. After the data from the CVR came back, it was pretty evident what happened. I am now going to basically retell the entire story from inside the cockpit, and Miranda is going to get increasingly more upset, and I know this because I got really upset while reading it. Oh, good. Just prepare yourselves, friends.
1: It's going to be a rough ride. (laughs) It's going to be rough. This is going to be really rough.
2: About an hour after takeoff, the flight crew began prepping for landing into Kathmandu, starting with the ATIS, among other landing details. During this, though, a personal conversation was going on. The conversation itself is pretty ridiculous for one, but more importantly sets a tone for the rest of the descent. The conversation had started at the beginning of the flight and the captain was saying quote-unquote unnecessary comments about another airline employee who had quote questioned his reputation as an instructor, end quote. This captain was increasingly upset about these comments that were made about him and seemed to have a full and crying emotional breakdown to the point that he actually lit a cigarette and started smoking in the cockpit. Uh, that's illegal. Yes. Like, really illegal? Yes. Uh. <clears throat> this was confirmed by surviving passengers who witnessed this transpire in the cockpit. Wait, they saw this happen?
0: They saw him with a cigarette, somehow, someway.
2: <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Now, at this point, I was curious, so I consulted the Google to find a copy of the CVR transcript, and it was not included in the report, as I have become so accustomed to. I found what I believe is actually the transcript, and it has been confirmed it is, though it is incredibly difficult to believe it is because it is so ridiculous. It's absolutely atrocious and profane and vulgar and I'm horrified by the conversation I read. For that reason alone, I'm not going to discuss anything that isn't in the report, and you, our listeners, can go find it on the internet. Just while writing this script, I was speechless. We might talk about it in our post-episode.
1: We will likely talk about it in our
0: post-episode. I will
2: probably read parts of it.
0: But be warned that, that then that post-episode will be very vulgar. It's bad. Yeah, his his words were really, really inappropriate.
1: Vulgar, like toward the first officer not exactly okay but
0: you'll you'll understand later
2: okay i'll just i'll i'll keep it in mind for later yes the captain did continue coaching the first officer however as it was her first time flying into this airport as a crew member and he hadn't he hadn't done it in more than three weeks When he was teaching her, he did it with an air of calm and professionalism and passion for flying. But the investigators attributed this more to him trying to prove these qualities and that he had a good and earned reputation as an instructor to his trainee.
1: Obviously, since he was having a breakdown over someone not liking him as an instructor.
2: Yep. All the while, she was basically nodding her head, as you do when someone's trying to have a one-way conversation with you that you're trying to ignore. And she was throwing in little mentions of flying every now and again, like, should we do this now? To try to steer the captain back to actually flying the plane? Wait, who is the pilot flying? The captain. The captain. Wait, whoa, 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 (laughs) back up. He's the one flying and he's the one having a
1: freaking panic attack? Yes. No! (laughs) And the first officer just... Let it happen? She only has, like, a couple hundred hours. Okay, even then, I think you'd be like, you know what, eh,
2: this, is being, this is a little <laughs> he was, too
1: much.
0: He was significantly superior to her, and he was now, you'll, you'll understand a little bit more when you hear the conversation later, but the conversation was so strong that she basically felt she couldn't
1: say counteract, anything? she couldn't say anything. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Okay
2: continue when the first officer reached out to Kathmandu control the captain complimented her for her good technique and said quote he would refuse to accept that she could not perform her flight duties up to standard as rumored in the company end quote
1: what oh no was it just her or women in general
2: based on the cvr i'm going to say women in general (gasps) Oh, we're not gonna... Uh (laughs) Uh-oh,
1: friends, this isn't gonna be good.
2: Are you freaking kidding me? Nope.
0: Oh, it just gets crazier.
2: Oh, no. Okay, continue. (laughs) A few minutes after that, the captain began instructing the first officer on chart preparation, constantly referring to her approach charts because he didn't have his. (laughs) okay
1: you're gonna say oh you're good for a woman oh but i'm not prepared and i have
2: none of my materials so we'll just use yours yep additionally (laughs) additionally he never performed a complete briefing for runway zero two despite how notoriously challenging of an approach it is as well as that it requires so much more preparation and understanding accordingly Keep in mind, still, it is the first officer's first time doing this landing as a crew member. And he's not even helping to walk her through it. Wait, but he's the one flying. Yes, but she still has duties. Yeah, Yeah, like running checklists
1: and things like that. But, I mean,
0: it's his job to
1: land the plane, right? They're
0: still supposed to go through briefings on everything.
1: Well, yes, that's um, normal, yeah. And they didn't. And he's an instructor. He's supposed to be teaching her. And he just didn't do any of the briefings? Or
2: did them incompletely. Yeah. That's... That's a... Oh, I want to so, so bad. Basically,
0: <laughs> they were setting up for an approach that neither one of them really knew what to do for.
2: He hadn't done it in three weeks.
0: He hadn't done it in three weeks. And she had never done it. And...
1: And he was obviously distracted. Yeah. And can we talk about the fact that he's, like, so worried about... His reputation. His reputation and, and trying to focus on her that he's not paying attention. Yep, so this is great. You mad yet?
2: Oh, I'm I'm assuming it hasn't even gotten to the worst part yet.
0: Probably not.
2: Uh. The captain then had the first officer put her charts on her side console where he couldn't see them, despite him being the pilot flying. It is at this time that investigators mentioned that the following critical discussion items were never reviewed at any point during the descent. Get ready for a list minimum sector altitudes, final approach inbound course, type of approach, surrounding terrain with highest optical sectors, descent rate requirements, aircraft configuration schedule, speed control, stabilization criteria, missed approach point and procedure, minimum descent altitude, and runway lighting.
0: So in other words, they had no idea what the highest points were around them, what altitudes they needed to be at, when they needed to have the gear down, what approach they were doing, which runway they were using, what MDA was, And where they could
1: do a a go-around if they needed to. Nothing. Yep. So this is wonderful. Uh, they didn't have a chance.
2: (laughs) They didn't have a chance. There was no way they were going to be able to land that plane. Oh my gosh. At one forty-five p.m., the crew did their descent checklist and requested descent from Kathmandu Control, at which time they were cleared to descend to 16,000 feet and were passed off to the approach controller. By the way, that was all just the pre-approach section. Now let's get into the actual approach. Oh, oh, good. (laughs) I can't can't imagine how bad this is going to be. The approach controller told the flight to descend to 13,500 feet and hold over Guras via Romeo arrival. The crew had discussed holding patterns to this point as they had arrived a bit early, and Kathmandu has a reputation of needing to be in a holding pattern for a while due to heavy traffic. The captain was showing the first officer how to set up the nav and flight management system for a holding pattern configuration. They were then instructed by approach to slow to minimum clear speed and descend another thousand feet all configured for a holding pattern, the crew was then cleared to descend another thousand feet and was cleared for a VOR approach to runway two. So basically, they were all ready to go into a holding pattern and then were told not to. The crew acknowledged but forgot to disarm their holding pattern inputs and the captain also lit another cigarette at this point, just three minutes from the Guras waypoint. This is also when the approach checklist began. Also during this, the pilot in control admonished the first officer for holding the power level since he was the pilot flying and that she needed to keep the heading bug on top. Once at Guras, the flight was cleared to continue, but the plane began to hold over Guras as it had been configured to and was realized by both the flight crew and the approach controller. So the captain selected heading mode to 027 degrees to override the autopilot LNAV, keeping a 5 degree maximum bank angle. By doing this on the flight guidance control panel, the aircraft lost the flight management system auto flight final approach lateral navigation guidance.
0: There's some bored <sighs> mouthfuls.
2: They lost the ability to help find the VOR to get to yep. the airport. Because the, it, was set, it. it was set to heading mode instead. Right. And the
0: flight management system then wasn't following what they were inputting.
2: Great. Now, mind you, they were supposed to have the landing checklist completed once they got to Guras, per the operation manual of the company. And they didn't? And they haven't even started it yet. Oh, Good. Now, the flight profile had become too high rather than the uh, desired descent because the captain was now distracted and the aircraft was now in pitch hold mode reversion since he selected heading mode. He then commanded on the pitch wheel to go to a descent rate of 1,300 feet per minute. 15 miles from Romeo, flaps 5 was requested, and then 15 degrees of flaps was requested at 13 miles out. The landing checklist was now being performed, and the captain confirmed that the landing gears were down and the three indicator lights were green without actually checking, and they were not, in fact, down and locked. Wait, what wasn't? The landing gear. So the landing gear wasn't down. And he said
1: they were. Without even looking. Yep. First officer didn't notice that either. Okay, but as we talked about, she's severely inexperienced. Yeah. So this is going great. And if the captain's like, oh yeah, they're on. What is she going to say? No, they're not? Like, uh, clearly his view on women and them in the cockpit, on top of the fact that he is also very upset, probably didn't make her want to um, speak up,
2: even if she did notice. Nope. Now, 10 miles final. A landing gear, unsafe tone sounded continuously, but was disregarded by both pilots. What did they think it was? I have no idea. Chop
0: lever. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Obviously. <laughs> since they just ignored it, if there's an alarm going off, clearly there's
2: something wrong. Mm -hmm. The crew was now transferred over to the tower controller and was cleared to continue approach with the gear unsafe tone still sounding in the cockpit. Eight miles out, the captain entered the wrong minimums, probably because he didn't have the charge in front of him. He then asked for the landing checklist, even though it was already complete, even though the gear unsafe tone was still sounding... Now in the final descent, the first officer kept reiterating to the captain that they were five to six hundred feet high on the profile. With everything so chaotic in the cockpit, the crew missed the 022 heading for the runway at seven miles out and went east of the runway course as they were not in VOR mode and made no attempt to remedy the situation. Air traffic control did not alert them either. Okay, that was that was a problem on air traffic control's part Which we too. will get into we'll later. We'll get into so. that in a bit. The CBR showed that the captain was having a hard time hearing the first officer in the loud cockpit, and he once again asked for the landing checklist, to which the first officer said, again, it was already complete. Again, regardless of the landing gear, unsafe tone in the background.
1: I wonder why he was having such a hard time hearing her. You know, I just wouldn't be able to figure it out. (laughs) Maybe you should turn off the stupid alarm going off in your cockpit. And you'd be like, oh, actually, maybe we should check the landing
2: gear. I don't know. So this is going splendidly. Yeah. The aircraft then reached the missed approach point, where they should have called a go-around if they didn't have visual, and they had varying descent rates, some as much as 1,700 feet per minute, and they weren't on course for the runway, and now the enhanced ground proximity warning system was yelling, sink rate, too low, gears. The tower cleared the flight to land on runway two. The crew could not see the airport at this point, and they did not perform a missed approach because, of course not, I guess? They didn't know where they were supposed to. Be for a missed approach anyway. Now the first officer noticed that the landing gear wasn't down and did so at the captain's request. He asked for the landing checklist for the fourth time. Was he intoxicated or something? (laughs) No, confused. It,
0: oh, let me, oh, I won't even get into that because I really, something is just wrong.
2: Clearly, he probably should not have been flying. Let's be honest. He definitely shouldn't have. Investigators figure at this point that the captain was expecting to see the runway any minute now and was unaware that they had already flown past and parallel to it. The Captain Dew Tower then reached out since it saw them over there, when they should have been landing, and said that they were cleared for runway 2, not two zero, which is where it looked like they were going. Quote, at this moment, the tower OJT controller was replaced by the tower duty controller who took over the microphone and mistakenly cleared the flight to land on runway 20 on shared assumption. in considering with the aircraft's current visual flight position that it could be a pilot's intention to land on runway 20, though the pilot in command deliberately transmitted that he would land on runway 02. That controller then got replaced by the supervisor controller, who happened to be in the tower at the time. The crew is now directly flying at terrain, with all of the GPWS warning blaring, and they had descended to 175 feet above the ground, with some serious bang angles in the range of 35 to 40 degrees, inciting even more ground proximity warning system warnings. Well, let me
0: tell you, just, also, uh, fair fair for the, the air traffic controllers, having an airport where you have to operate with a 02 and 20 doesn't make anything easy.
2: Nope.
1: Well, yeah, you can easily get those mixed up. Oh, yeah. But And it was mixed up
0: far more than once uh, in all of this.
1: Uh, obviously, though, I don't think the numbers were really a problem. I think the captain ultimately, was just no. a problem.
0: Yes, ultimately, no. Because
1: he obviously wasn't where he was supposed to be, and he he clearly didn't know where he was. The he crew had no idea where they were. No idea. Didn't realize they were nowhere near the runway they were supposed to be at. Maybe because he didn't have his charts. There's a lot of things going on here. And instead of saying, hey, can I see your charts? I
2: forgot mine. He just let her keep them over by her so he couldn't see anything. The tower also had no idea what they were doing and asked if they were still VFR, to which the captain said yes and said he still intended on landing on runway 02.
0: So he was still doing a visual approach.
2: So air traffic control cleared a right-hand downwind for runway 02, though cautioned that another plane was on short final before them. Air traffic control then saw flight 211 heading towards runway 20 instead of the downwind he just cleared them for. He said basically, don't do that, there's another flight landing the way you're supposed to be, please in orbit flight 211 climbed to 6500 feet and the captain admitted to the first officer he had made a mistake by talking to her constantly
0: he then it was at that moment that he realized he had been piloting poorly
2: the cockpit is still stupid loud at this time because of their 45 degree bank and 2000 foot per minute descent and another local pilot is calling air traffic control at this point and asking what the heck this crew is doing and that they seem disoriented At 2.16, ATC cleared them to land on the runway from either direction since the runway was clear. The captain said he would now like to land on 2.0, though neither he nor the first officer could see the runway. He had now taken over all radio communication despite being the pilot flying when the first officer should have been performing that particular duty. Almost a full minute later, the first officer finally saw runway 2.0 to the side of them. Despite this ridiculous notion, the captain tried to land from that angle, asking for clearance again despite already having clearance? He also confirmed that the landing checklist was done for now the sixth time. I don't get it. So air traffic control thinks he's crazy and cancels the landing clearance, though mistakenly says takeoff clearance canceled. The captain is still asking for clearance calmly, despite everything. The warnings of bank angle and sink rate are going off like crazy, and the tower controllers are literally ducking behind their desk because they're terrified of what's about to happen. And the rest, they say, is history. Okay, I'm slightly pissed off. Only
1: slightly. slightly? Yeah. uh, So at
0: no point in time were they ever on an established approach. No. Not once. And
1: they he never should have tried to land when they saw that runway. They should have made a different. They should have made a go around and went the other direction. Although it probably would have been even worse. For
0: being a functional airplane, where they were, neither one of them were ill. Both of them were qualified pilots. This has to be the absolute worst attempt at an approach in an airliner I have ever seen.
1: It's horrible. He has no idea where they're going. She is so inexperienced that how the heck... She's never flown into this airport before. And it's a dangerous one. So how is she supposed to know what's going on? And He clearly doesn't have any idea where he is.
0: And on top of that, I mean, they're just... It was unbelievably unprofessional. And it was unbelievably just scary. I mean... There was not one part of this approach went correctly, and not one part of this approach was done in a a professional manner, let alone by somebody who has 5,500 hours. It seems like it was done by somebody who has no experience at all.
2: And he's smoking in the cockpit, which, again... Is I still,
1: illegal.
0: I have a really hard time, and we'll get into this more when I get into the findings, but I have a really hard time believing that he wasn't at least a little bit under the influence of something.
2: I know. I feel like he, when you hear he the, seems when, intoxicated. When <laughs> his body was examined, they did not find anything other than tobacco.
0: However, they also didn't test for
1: medications.
2: Oh, that's fair. So maybe he was high on something else.
0: Or just too drugged on something. He had yeah. too much of something. He
1: had a Xanax or something. When, I don't know.
0: If it, When you listen to the ATC recording, which we have on our website, you'll notice that he sounds out of it. He really does. He sounds totally out of it. He's not following. He's totally in a different place. His mind, and he sounds slow. His speech sounds a little slurred. Something's just off. It's just completely off.
1: Yeah, it, to me... I don't think that was a good plan. Also, the audacity of him to be upset about someone calling him a bad instructor. Look at this flight. Well,
0: I know. That was from the get-go. It that was, was like, the
2: irony when I read this. I was, was like, excuse the me?
0: The biggest irony is he's the upset.
2: audacity.
0: He's upset the whole flight about how somebody's like, oh, you're not a very good instructor. Oh, I'm the best instructor we have, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not a bad instructor. Crashes an airplane.
2: I would also like to say that... The investigators, much to their credit, tried to make him sound less vulgar than he was, and tried to really get to the point of the problem he was trying to convey to the first officer, but he his was... reputation wasn't as a instructor was not the only thing in question no and he was talking about this other female colleague at the company in a very vulgar manner very. In which I'm sure his wife would be disgusted to who, read.
0: Who she knew, who the first officer knew, by the way.
2: Yes, and was friends with. hmm Nasty. This other
0: person. Oh, it was just, just, it's just bad. Just nasty. It's Ugh. just bad. It's just bad.
1: I know we've talked about this before. How dare you be sexist with a female in the cockpit? She clearly is in that cockpit for a reason. Given in the United States, you need a lot more hours of experience to be employed by an airline. In a pilot. lot of places.
0: Uh, but even then, she was considered
1: qualified. She was considered qualified, and to say something like, "Oh, you're good for a woman," screw you. She's yeah. there. She's fl- helping you fly the airplane. She's trying to learn from you, and you pull that crap? Yep. And any of you out there who have that idealistic, feel free to not listen anymore. <laughs> Hashtag women in podcasting. <laughs> per, like, peop, women work. Women are professionals. Women can be pilots, unless you know you're me and you, you're not tall enough. But, <laughs> and I get it. And a lot of countries have the idealistic thing of men in power, women not. That kind of thing. I don't like it. I never have liked it.
2: Oh, I have another point to bring up. So I actually I have a friend who, I don't know if she's from Bangladesh. I should have asked her. But... At one point in the CBR, it's not mentioned in the report, but I, in reading the transcript, the captain calls the first officer daughter, which I thought was really, really strange. And this
0: happens more than once, actually. It happens a lot that he calls her daughter or my child or...
2: And so I asked my friend if that's like a cultural thing. Is there something I'm missing here? And she was basically like, no. I mean, sometimes it'll happen with more elderly, which, I mean, he was 52, he wasn't exactly elderly, but it's usually in, if it's in a professional setting, it's like, if they had flown together many, many times, or something to that effect. She actually works in the lab with Chris, right? and she equated it to the relationship that Chris and Sam have together. Like, okay. it's professional, but they're friends. Okay.
0: Which, I, I kind I mean, don't get me wrong, we've all heard that before, like, you know, the the, the terms, like, my son, my child, Yes, this, but- that, but... But it's still kind of strange when you're flying with somebody you don't know.
2: So I thought it was strange, and apparently, no, it's not a cultural thing. It, to me, it seems. It
0: sets the precedent for you are lower than I am. Yeah. Like, I am teaching you, but I am just better. Which, by the way,
1: being a teacher myself, that's just not a good mindset to be in. It's creepy. You, not only that, but like, you also are. Learning from the people you're teaching, too. Just yeah. because you are a teacher and you are technically the professional and the expert doesn't mean, one, that you can't make mistakes, and two, that you can't learn from the people you're teaching.
0: And it doesn't make you a, a better person than somebody else. Yeah,
1: to say, oh, I'm more experienced than you are. So what?
0: <laughs> right. So what? They're in the situation, too. They just want to learn. Right. If you're more experienced then it's your job to on an equal playing field, teach them.
1: Yeah. I don't I don't know. I just and if she I I'm assuming, hopefully, that if she had been more more experienced, she probably, I would hope, have noticed some things, but as we talked about, she didn't have a lot of hours. She also had never flown into this airport before, and he kinda was just passing her off as nothing. That's what that seemed like to me.
0: Which meant that he was also passing the flight off as nothing.
1: Right. Which you should never do because guess you what? You have passengers. Guess what? People die. When you are that arrogant and that horrible of a mindset, people die. Especially if you're, you know, operating heavy
2: machinery. Yes. Like an airplane.
1: Like
0: an airplane.
2: Or a forklift. <laughs> Thank you. We <laughs> were having this conversation of whenever you read the side effects of medication, it's like take care when operating having machinery. And there's it means a car or a boat or a plane. And I always think pallet jack or forklift. Look Just at me, me operating
0: case. a crane. <laughs> I'm operating large machineries. It means your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it means don't get behind the wheel.
1: Or a plane in this case. Yeah. Yeah. He, and again, we've talked about this, but he seems like he's on something.
0: You'll (sighs) think even more so later. Oh, great. So for findings, there were 65 findings. Ew. Yeah. We don't do 65 of them. We do a lot of them! Sorry. But we don't do 65 of them. They're also broken up into sections, as are the recommendations. The recommendations aren't as many. For findings, for the aircraft, they found that the aircraft was in perfectly working order was certified and was correctly loaded at the time of the crash. The only reason I bring that one up, that's the only one about the aircraft I'll even bring up, is to point out that the airplane was fine. There was literally...
1: nothing to do with the aircraft. Nothing
0: wrong with the airplane. The airplane was completely fine. It was the one part of this equation that had nothing wrong. As for the crew, they found that the flight crew were in compliance with duty times. Okay, fine. So they were in compliance. They had enough rest period time. They had enough time on duty, and they weren't scheduled with too little rest time. However, that goes hand-in-hand hand then with the next one, which says they found that the CVR revealed that the piloting command did not receive enough sleep the night before the, the accident.
1: How do they know that?
0: Because he, he said out loud for the ZVR to capture that I didn't sleep enough last night. I was awake all night, stressed out. I didn't sleep much. I'm super tired. I'm fatigued. He said all of these things. Out loud,
1: and still decided. Oh, I'm going to operate an aircraft. I'm operating today. heavy
0: machinery. Yes, yes, he did. They found that the pilot in command had operated in Kathmandu several times before, but the first officer was operating in the sector for the first time, so we knew that. So she was new there. They found that the CVR and eyewitnesses and eyewitness accounts by the passengers confirmed that the pilot in command was smoking in the cockpit during the flight.
1: Again, illegal.
0: Yes, do not do that. They found that neither of the pilots had practiced a visual landing on runway two zero, the the runway they were actually attempting to land on in the end, in a simulator, let alone in real life.
1: Wait, they he'd never
0: No, they had always approached into zero two. He this shows how disoriented he was. He had no idea where he was. None. He had no clue. They found that the pilot in command was engaged in unnecessary, unprofessional, and lengthy conversations even in critical phases of flight, breaking sterile cockpit rules. They found that the experience difference and significantly higher authority that the piloting command had over the first officer meant that crew resource management broke down and the first officer was not willing or able to be more assertive in the actions of flying the airplane or its procedures.
2: Crew
1: resource management! That that went down the toilet. Yeah,
0: crew resource management was gone from the get-go.
1: Well, especially with his attitude toward women, too.
0: And there's a point in here that we don't even bring up, and I actually, I read it, um, but essentially, before they ever left bangladesh before they even left the ground at Dhaka, they they were asked for a an, an adc which is the air defense clearance they were basically this was a newly implemented thing in bangladesh that any international flights were required to have a number that that identified them as operating as an international flight and they were supposed to have this number before they departed and they were asked for this by a clearance controller he gave it to them And then a ground controller also asked for it. So somebody else. So he was asked for it twice. You know, the ground controller probably didn't know that he was already asked for it once. But instead of just giving it back to him, he angrily gave it back to him.
1: Oh, good.
0: This was before they left the ground. Okay. This shows how far they broke down.
1: Yeah, that's that's great. That's a good way to start off a flight.
2: This is one part that I do want to read from the CVR and... We're we're going to role play a little bit here, and I am going to have to bleep out
0: a lot. Docker Ground BS two one one. Good afternoon.
1: BS two one one. Good afternoon. Go ahead, ma'am.
0: BS two one one. Standing at two eight south, flight four, Kathmandu, flight level two four zero.
2: Do you have the ADC number?
0: No, sir. I have one number two one seven seven.
2: Operations BS two one one. How long will you take to respond? I want the ADC and FIC.
0: In an angry tone.
2: Kathmandu F1C for 211.
1: FIC. F- F-I-C. What? Oh, FIC, excuse me. For 211 is 1171, ADC KX848, and for 212. FIC.
2: I don't want your 212. I want 211. I don't want to f- you. Read you again. Keep your f-ing mouth shut.
0: This is how bad it was. This is before they left the ground.
2: Got the clearance?
0: Yes, sir. Line-up is due.
2: Don't be scared. I'm going to stay for another three months. I'm going to f these people right and left. And that's it.
0: Yeah, that's all we really need to read. What? Oh, it gets so much worse. Yeah.
2: I, I feel like I feel like the captain should have been
1: like, you know what? I can't do this today. I'm leaving. <laughs> At least
0: if he had done that
1: it, it probably yeah. wouldn't have crashed.
0: <laughs> it, it might not have left, but okay.
2: That's so ridiculous. Oh it
0: gets so it's already much ridiculous. Worse. <laughs> It gets so much worse. That's, God. That's like the least vulgar thing he's said. I mean, that that had the most
2: expletives.
0: It probably did. So, yeah. He he was angry, needless to say.
2: He, he was reckless and emotional the entire flight.
0: So let me finish these findings.
2: Go for
1: it.
0: They found that the PIC did not provide his smoking habits or history of depression in his last medical self-declaration. So, essentially... Oh,
1: he lied on his medical.
0: So, basically, yes. In in... In Bangladesh, they're required, just like in the United States, to have a medical yearly, an annual medical examination. And, however, in Bangladesh, they have a self-declaration of medical problems that they have to fill out, a form they have to fill out. And he neglected to put on there that he smokes regularly and that he has depression. Now, we haven't even talked about this depression part with him yet, and we'll get into that, but essentially, he shouldn't have been flying.
1: Oh, it's one of those, huh?
0: Um... More so than you think. Oh, good. We'll get to that.
1: Is it like a German wings that bad?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Worse. Oh,
1: good. <laughs> if not Great.
0: worse. We'll get to, we'll get to that. Because it was a known thing. They found that while teaching the first officer, the pilot in command was calm and professional. But while talking about other issues, he seemed emotionally disturbed. That is the words in the report. I, I have a problem with this one because it makes him, it almost gives him slack. It, it almost, it almost defends him. And I don't like that. It says, while teaching the first officer the pilot in command was very calm and professional. Well, no, there was no professionalism, if you ask me. It was broken down before he ever left the ground. He created an unprofessional situation in the cockpit that he wasn't ever going to get back. Even if you had a calm tone and you maybe sounded somewhat professional, he didn't handle anything professionally.
1: Obviously, because he didn't even have his own charts.
0: He didn't do any of the situations professionally, and you could consider this that he didn't even train her at all. So we move on to some flight operations findings. They found that it is evident that there were a number of standard operating procedures violations during the flight by the crew.
1: Obviously, with the checklists not done correctly, the briefing's not done fully, etc., etc., etc.
0: They weren't following the approach correctly. There's so many things. They found that international flights, especially to Kathmandu, after four short domestic flights, shows poor operational planning. So this was interesting because they they decided to blame the airline's operations. And this isn't the first. This isn't the only time. This is just the first time they blame the the airline's operations. But they they say the airline's operations had a hand in this because they put the crew on this much longer international flight
1: when they'd only done domestic flights
0: after doing four domestic flights. Which right. domestic flights have very little. Demand they don't have to worry about so many different customs, ADC numbers, different procedures and languages, all those things when you're handling when you're just doing a domestic flight. They had done four previous domestic flights that same day, and then proceeded to do this flight to Kathmandu, which was a totally different situation. And this investigative board believed that that hindered their their ability to basically make decisions, and they believe that that was a part of this. They believe it was poor operational planning on the part of operations. They found that a lack of proper coordination between the dispatch and the crew regarding pre-flight briefings led to the PIC experiencing a high level of stress, frustration, and anger.
1: I don't know if that's I, That is not that why he was have angry. Have contributed to his anger, but that's not the reason he was angry. Correct.
0: No. Correct. And and this is more more than likely taken from CVR stuff he said in the CVR because he clearly was unhappy with the dispatcher. And operations in general.
2: I'm really curious about the other conversations in his previous flights that day, but...
0: Yeah, yeah right. But in any case, he he was upset, and to be fair, they do believe that the, the dispatcher at operations did not properly give them a pre-flight briefing. At all. And I think that's true. They found that the aircraft was not fully configured for landing after crossing Guras, which was contradictory to the company standard operating procedures. They found that there was a lack of clear communication between the crew members as well as between the crew and air traffic control. They found that during the approach, the autopilot was in heading mode with just 5 degrees of interception angle to intercept the final approach course for radial 202 inbound for the Kathmandu VOR, but the VOR mode was never armed, which meant that the auto the autopilot flew the plane past the intended track and had to correct after the left turn. The high speed of the airplane due to the gear being retracted made the deviation more pronounced. So that's, they're saying that it passed the course it was trying to do because they were in the wrong mode. They also didn't have it configured correctly. The landing gear wasn't down, all this stuff. So they believe that the airplane was going too fast and it, it made them go really off course. And I believe that is maybe part of it. They found that the aircraft reached the minima about one nautical mile offset from the runway, centerline, path, but visual contact with the runway was not established due to the low altitude and the offset course. The crew were unable to locate the airport due to the low altitude tied with the mountainous terrain, even when on the downwind leg. Here's the part that really bothers me. We never talked about it, and neither did they in the report. This airplane was too low the whole time.
1: Well, the GPWS was going
2: off the entire time.
0: Yes, but when I say they were too low, I mean they were way too low.
2: Well, they were too high at first. So eight miles out, the yeah. on final descent, the first officer kept reiterating to the captain that they were five to six hundred feet high on the profile.
0: Right, which they were out here. When they were on their downwind leg, which was incorrect, they were only a few hundred feet above the ground.
2: This was before yeah, they yeah, ever yeah. went past the runway.
0: Yeah. This at that when point, they were still yes. correct. At that point, yes, they were too high because they were planning to go for zero two. 2 Yes. But then when they weren't, then they were way too low when they entered in for a 2-0. Yeah, zero. that's what I meant. Not only were they way too low, at some points they nearly hit a hill. And they don't really talk about that very much. They then raised up their altitude way too much. And on their final approach, which wasn't even a final approach, they had to, like, dive that airplane to the ground. Yeah, at some points the airplane was so low that it actually went between mountains and hills and stuff, and they couldn't see the airport anyways, even if they wanted to. They found that the airplane selecting the correct heading distracted the crew from making visual contact with the airport. This was essentially confirmation bias. This is, this one's a little complicated, but basically when they got to that VOR, or when they were heading toward that VOR, it did the turn, eventually it got to the right heading to make it to the VOR, and just by getting to that correct heading where they talked about getting that heading bug to the top, just because they were so distracted by getting that heading bug to the top, they didn't even realize they were actually off course by like three miles. They were going in the right direction, but they were offset to the right by three miles. And that distracted them from realizing that they weren't lined up with the runway at all. That was a confirmation bias. They were like, oh, we're going the right direction in the wrong place. They found that the lack of visual contact with the runway caused the crew to lose their situational awareness, so at no point in time did they really even see the airport until the last second. They found that the VOR approach procedure for Kathmandu Runway 02 was never briefed and was not followed properly. They found that the aircraft continued the approach after passing the missed approach point, even though they were not established on the approach and the missed approach procedures were never carried out. They didn't even brief on it, so they didn't even know there was a missed approach, basically. They found that the pilot-in-command orally said... Three green to indicate to the first officer that the gear was extended, even though the gear was not actually extended. They found that the gear unsafe and EGPWS warnings continued with both crew neglecting them. They found that the loss of situational awareness hindered the the consciousness of the PIC to execute a go-around to gain altitude for wider vision and a better ground orientation at any point during the time in which the plane was too low. So he never declared a go-around at any point.
2: Which is ridiculous. Which
0: is the one thing he probably should have done above all else. If he wanted to seem professional, he should have realized, we aren't right. Nothing is right here. We're going around. Would have saved everything. They found that with situational awareness lost, the crew switched to manual control of the airplane all around while at very low altitudes, executing abnormal variable speeds and bank angles. So in other words, the airplanes, they just took control of the airplane manually for this visual approach where they were flying way too low, doing extreme bank angles at really high speeds for their approach.
1: Which is super dangerous, by the way.
0: Very. They found that the pilot-in-command had realized his mistake of talking a lot during the flight, which we talked about. He did say that. They found that during the final phase of the visual landing, the plane was flown manually in very close proximity to the runway with a very high bank angle of 30 degrees in order to align with the runway— which obviously didn't actually work. They found that the controls were not manipulated correctly to counteract the very high forces exerted during certain maneuvers. So they put themselves in situations that they could have, if they had put in rudder input or counteracted those things, they could have actually flown the airplane a lot better, but they, they just didn't. They just didn't. They found that the aircraft impacted the runway with one outer wheel very heavily before skidding off the runway and catching fire.
1: Did, do we know if that Wheel punctured at all? Or popped from there? We
0: don't, but I can show you the skid mark it left. Ouch. Yeah. They found that the accident occurred while under the control of the pilot in command, who seemed unaware of the danger until it was way too late. I'm not even sure he was aware of it then. No. He put the airplane where it was. That's the thing to me. is like It seemed more like he was trying to show off. And at like that point, he knew
1: what he was doing, but he didn't.
0: He's like, I can land this airplane even if it's in a bad situation. Which is actually one of their findings. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now, for operator findings. They blame everybody. They found that Guras was shown one nautical mile closer to the airport than it actually was in the company's procedures.
2: Fantastic. For the approach.
0: So, even at US Bangla, they, they, on their own charts, they showed that Guras was one nautical mile closer to the airport than it actually was for the approach. However, the crew used the Jeppesen charts. So, it actually didn't even matter. They actually had the correct charts. And in the end, this didn't even matter. Yeah, clearly. Yep. Because they didn't even care. They found that the flight crew's scheduling was not appropriate as per the existing approved company regulations. So, or even national regulations, they actually say. And I, I don't know exactly what they mean by that, but somehow they were scheduling them incorrectly. And I think it has to do with the international flight thing. And also just that, be it that Kathmandu was a difficult airport to fly into, putting somebody who's very little experience, that is a tough thing. They found that the procedure for the Kathmandu approach was not updated at the company. Their own charts were just out of date. They found there was a lack of coordination between the operations control and the flight crew during the pre-flight. There it is again. They just, they blame the operations saying, look, you didn't help them. Now for air traffic control and airport facilities. They found that the air traffic control facility had the equipment to record the audio and the radar data at the time of the crash, and they actually used both to determine what happened. They found that the airport was equipped with the required communication and navigation aids, as well as ground aids, and all were operating properly. So in other words, they had everything they they needed to make this landing work. They found that the air traffic control officers were not given recurrent training at regular intervals. Here's where they start to take the stance of air traffic control being at fault. And I'm not going to get into this debate, but Bangladesh and Nepal want to, by the way. Bangladesh doesn't believe it has much to do with the pilots, actually.
2: They believe it was more air traffic control.
0: They believe it was air traffic control's fault. Meanwhile, Nepal is like, are you kidding me? And I side a little bit with Nepal.
2: A little a little bit of a uh,
0: lot. A little bit? A little a bit lot alike. of it? I'm not even going to... That's why I'm not Most even going to get into... Most of it? Yeah, that's why I'm not even going to get into the debate. The air traffic controllers, sure, did a few things wrong. This really wasn't on them, though. There's just so much evidence pointing to pilot error. I'm sorry, but it it wasn't their fault. They found that air traffic control tried their best to assist the pilot in command, providing landing opportunities on any runway, and ensuring that the airspace was clear for them of any conflicting traffic for this flight. They kept everybody out of their way and told him, you can land wherever you want... They tried their best. They were they were attentive, actually. They were contacting them pretty regularly, even though there was a couple of times they missed some things. But but are you kidding me? This airplane was all over the place. So I don't really blame them. Now for human human factors and medical history. This gets deep. And I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but we're gonna. Here's where I talk about the depression with the captain. And here's the part that's going to make you really mad.
2: Oh, good. As if she's not mad enough.
0: The pilot-in-command was determined to be unfit to fly in 1993 due to his depression. He was flying for the Bengali Air Force when they determined that he was not fit to fly, and that meant that in Bangladesh, he was also determined unfit to fly. His license was revoked. He was later cleared to fly in 2002, again. However, that being said, that was found to be because he was neglecting to put on his medical, his depression history.
1: So if he had put the proper depression history, he wouldn't have been flying, period. And these people wouldn't have died.
0: Yeah. He shouldn't have been a pilot. He was His license was revoked.
1: I guess I don't understand why they were just like, oh,
2: so you're just not depressed now? Because like, they didn't know. But There wasn't a communication between the military and who actually issued his pilot's license.
0: Who issued his medical. Oh, his medical. I My mean, y- literally, you could just... A doctor doesn't can't necessarily pull up your flying record, and so he may not have known. Who is this there to do the job of making sure that he was in fit condition at the time to fly, which he didn't know that the guy had a history of depression that meant his license was revoked?
1: I don't know. To, okay, so, and we'll talk about this eventually, too, when we get to the German wings flight. If you know about that flight, you know a little bit of what we're going to talk about. But part of the issue is, in the United States... If you have a job where you have to get a physical and part of that physical is mental health. If you are unfit to do anything that will affect other people, flying is one of those things. The person who is giving your physical has the right to tell your employer you cannot fly. Uh, or do whatever it is you do. the re- that's the reason why a lot of pilots have to get a physical every year.
2: Well, and they get a specific medical exam from the FAA right. And yes. so the FAA knows, and the my point is
1: the medical professional is allowed to tell your employer they can no longer fly and until these conditions are met or until they get help or et cetera, et cetera. This is not the same in other countries. and again, we'll talk about this again with the German wings flight. They can tell the person that they shouldn't be flying, but that doesn't mean that they can tell the employer that that person cannot fly. And in this case, if you completely lie and say you're not depressed or say you don't have any case of depression, there's nothing they can do. And when you don't talk, when two entities do not talk to each other about why he was discharged, let's say, from the Air Force, there would be no way for them to know and certain he had a history of
2: depression and certain medical conditions like depression when you're getting screened for it you basically have to self report right <laughs> which is how you can get away with like just not letting anyone know
0: right right and that, i mean that leads into the next point which says they found that the, the pic's annual medical evaluation did not seem to touch on previous medical issues such as the depression this may have been missed as it was not on the self declaration form filled out by the pic so there it is i mean same thing we he didn't declare it, and they missed it. They found that there was no evidence that the PIC suffered any sudden illness or incapacitation that may have affected the flight. They don't believe that he was suffering from any kind of physical condition, which probably wasn't. They found that there was no sign of any alcohol or illicit drugs in the PIC's system from the toxicology report and autopsy, but he was not tested for prescription medications. Ah, we talked about that earlier. I just, I feel like there was something up. I mean, yeah, sure, he wasn't in the right mental headspace, and that can definitely affect you, and it definitely did him, but I feel like there was something more going on there. I just don't know.
1: I do, too. I, I think there he must have been on something. I believe that, too.
0: They found that there is clear evidence that the PIC was harboring severe mental stress. The effects of the stress were evident in his irritable, tense, moody, and aggressive behavior at various points.
1: Which, by the way, stress does not help depression. Right. Just saying. I can speak to that from experience. Absolutely. I think most people can. I can.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, I can too. And they say this is likely why he had undue aggression toward ATC and operations personnel, which is in the CVR, and it is unbelievable the things that he said to these people. And they follow by saying they found that the foul language and abusive words he was using in conversations with a junior was very inappropriate and not expected from a level-headed person.
1: This person also was half of his age. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, less than. Completely inappropriate.
0: Mm-hmm. They found that the PIC also seemed to be fatigued and tired due to lack of sleep the previous night, which we know. He was tired. They found that the PIC had submitted his resignation only verbally, and he seemed unsure about his future and said that he did not have a job after quitting and showed stress from financial insecurities.
2: Wait, this...
1: why, why did he put in his resignation? Mm-hmm.
0: He, okay. Why was
1: he even flying?
0: Yeah, yeah, Okay.
2: So, we will get into that more when, in the post-episode, we read more of the CVR, but part of it was an extramarital affair.
0: Oh, good. Or what What people believed was, and he argues was not, with right. that other person that we were referring to earlier.
2: The colleague that he was talking about? Mm-hmm. Ah.
0: He says some really, really inappropriate things about her, and and about that situation, and he... Apparently, it was starting to turn into a legal battle, and so he just verbally resigned from the company. He put in his resignation. Ah, HR. Just before this flight, basically. And not just before this flight, but basically before this flight. And he was supposed to finish at like, the end of the month. Something like that. So he was still flying till then. He was complaining that he didn't have a job, his financial insecurities. He was stressed. He was talking about that the whole flight. And uh, they do say, this caused stress and likely affected his ability to perform his PIC duties correctly. You think? Obviously. They find that the first officer asked the pilot-in-command about missed approach procedures for Kathmandu, but the pilot-in-command never briefed her on them and instead engaged in personal conversation. The failure to react during the missed approach the first time and missing the missed approach point, tied with the impaired decision-making, were all probably due to stress in the cockpit. When I say missed approach the first time, that's when they went into that right-hand 360, because they didn't know where they were.
1: And she asked, and he didn't know.
0: Yes, they found that the pilot in command had loss of situational awareness as they had passed the VOR, but appeared but he appeared to believe that they were still behind it and had yet to cross it.
1: Yeah, no, he had no idea where he was.
0: Nope. They found that this is the last recommend or the last finding before the recommendations, I promise. So long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dude, the, the the probable cause. Oh god. I'm sorry in advance. Let me finish this finding. They found that even in the last moments, the pilot in command seemed to have a fixation to land at any cost, and he never considered go-around procedures, even after realizing the plane was not configured to land, possibly because he was trying to prove to the first officer that he was a very competent pilot and can safely land the plane in any adverse condition. That is what they said in their report. They wholeheartedly believe he was trying to show off.
1: I just, I imagine, sorry, I shouldn't be laughing because it's not funny, but I imagine, like, the first officer being like, oh, look, there's there's the runway. He's like, okay, and he's just pulling the stick over so he can He's land. like, we
0: can put it there, nearly takes out the tower, nearly crashes on the ramp.
1: He's like, okay, and you're like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> no, was, no, no. It was a bad
0: situation, and he really, I mean, I just, it, it boggles my mind that at that point when he realized they weren't lined up at all, he didn't go around. I just... If he had had any amount of professionalism left by that point, he would have gone around. Because he wasn't even close to being on approach for that runway. In the condition they were in and in the spot they were in, there was no way they could have made that runway. Any pilot could have told you that.
2: You can always go around. Yep. You can always go around. So my biggest issue with this whole thing is that this just happened two years ago. Yeah, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. And... I know that we try to make it a overall goal of this podcast to make people less scared to fly, but that put a little bit of shock in my system.
0: Yeah, this is definitely the most recent one we've done.
2: Yeah, it's kind of horrible. I'm glad it's
1: not in the United States. Most likely. Hopefully. Would never happen in the United States.
2: Mostly because we have different... Regulations and standards? Yeah.
0: We do. Medicals are... There's a lot more scrutiny on medicals and... Uh,
2: 1,500 hours
1: is required. And
0: experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, if she was more experienced, she probably just could have
2: taken over the plane at some point. Crew
0: resource management is taught a lot stronger here in the United States. than yeah. some Well, places. and
2: in other countries that aren't in that particular part of the world. Right. Yes. I-, I didn't know how else to word that.
0: Yes. No, that's true.
2: So here is the probable causes... Causes and contributing factors. This is
0: going to take a minute.
2: Okay. The Accident Investigation Commission determines that the probable cause of the accident is due to disorientation and a complete loss of situational awareness in the part of crew member. This was translated. It's
0: translated. I had to reword some stuff.
2: Contributing to this, the aircraft was offset to the proper approach path that led to maneuvers in a very dangerous and unsafe attitude to align with the runway. Landing was completed in a sheer desperation after siding the runway at very close proximity and very low altitude. There was no attempt made to carry out a go-around when a go-around seemed possible until the last instant before touchdown on the runway. Contributing Factors. Improper timing of the pre-flight briefing and the commencement of the flight departure in which the operational pre-flight briefing was given in early morning, but the flight departure time was around noon, and there were four domestic short flights scheduled in between. The pilot in command, who is the pilot flying, seemed to be under stress due to behavior of a particular female colleague in the company and lack of sleep the preceding night. A very steep gradient between the crew. Flight crew not having practiced visual approach for runway 20 in the simulator. Poor crew resource management between the crew. Failure to to arm the VOR to intercept the desired radial. Aircraft never intercepted the radial, rather it crossed over from left to right of the desired approach path of the runway while remaining on heading mode with autopilot on. Failure to adhere to the standard operating procedure. Failure to perform proper briefing. Not noticing the unsafe gear warning horn by the crew until approaching the MDA. Pilot in command did not make corrective action to... Enhanced ground proximity warning system warnings on time. Failure to carry out a a standard missed approach procedure in spite of the runway not being visual at the minimum descent altitude. Failure to meet the stabilization criteria of the aircraft on approach. Increased workload on the pilot in command as he was manually flying the plane and communicating with the air traffic control. Loss of situational awareness due to misalignment with the runway during initial initial approach and eventually not being able to sight the runway. High bank angle, rapid descent, excessive threshold speed, inadequate inner rudder input contributed for hard contact with the right main landing gear to the runway. The speed, altitude, and the radio was never mentioned during approach. Lack of assertiveness on the part of air traffic controller in monitoring the flight path of the aircraft and not issuing a clear instruction to carry out a standard missed approach procedure. Lack of clear understanding and, uh, and acknowledgement on the part of both ATC and the crew to clearly understand each other's communication regarding the landing runway. Lack on the part of the ATC to alert the crew of their actual position. Even though the co-pilot was operating to Kathmandu for the first time, the provision of a safety pilot, was, which was not given a importance, could have been of a great help in the situation. So having another person on board to help. Yep. And lastly, lack of simulator training dedicated to the visual approach for runway 20 to the pilot in command. Wait, so they did four other flights before this flight that day? Yep. That's oh, what that's I was saying. Bad.
1: that's bad. That's no good. That's no good. That's what
0: I was saying. That's <laughs> I why thought I... meant
1: the four previous flights like the days before. No, no. No, right before day. this flight. No, yeah, that's... no, that was bad. <laughs>
0: that's why they were saying the operations, they were blaming the operations department for planning their day to be four domestic flights and then one international flight. Were they flying together flight. the
1: entire time?
0: Yeah, I think so. Oh, I would hate because to they... see,
1: I, now I see what you mean by the, the other conversations on the other flights. I'd hate to think what
2: that was if like. If this, CDR is what transpired because... Of the previous ones? I want to listen to those. I want the tea.
0: <laughs> well, and the reason I think that they did all of them together, well, first of all, that's pretty normal. You know, you usually fly the whole day with the same person. But also, they talk about the the briefing for the pre-flight for this flight happened in the morning before the other four.
1: Yeah, that's not good. No good. That That's big ba- no-no on the <laughs> flight operations part of things.
2: That was big no-no. You this shouldn't was, have done that.
0: This was not done very well.
2: Obviously. Okay, so there was your probable causes. Yeah, it was a mouthful.
0: That is by far and away the biggest one I've ever read or ever heard. All right, so recommendations. So there's three sections to the recommendations. The first section is to the Civil Aviation Authority of Bangladesh, or the CAAB. They recommended to the CAAB that before renewal of a license, for a permanently grounded pilot, due to medical reasons, a thorough periodic physical and psychological status should be, aesthetic- should be assessed.
2: Wait, he was permanently grounded?
0: Yes, when he was grounded for depression. I mean, I mean, you're kicked out. That's a pretty serious thing. He's permanently grounded.
1: And then they just let him fly mm-hmm. again.
0: Mm-hmm. A system should be adopted to monitor the medical condition closely and all subsequent medical examinations. That's the finalization of that one. They recommended that all airline pilots should undergo psychological evaluations as part of training or before entering in service. The airline shall verify that evaluation has been carried out. That's just saying that there should be a system in place to better understand pilots' psychology before they go into service, basically. They recommended to the operator, so to U.S. Bangla Airline. They recommended that the operator should give emphasis to the proper and effective implementation of crew resource management in the cockpit. What a concept. Basically, just really reinforcement and teach it so much more, crew resource management. They recommended that the operator should establish a system to ensure that the proper implementation on standard operating procedures in all phases of flight are carried out. They recommended that the operator establish an effective mechanism to monitor and assess the mental status of the crew in regards to professional development, financial issues, as well as personal and psychological issues.
1: Therefore, a person who's not supposed to be flying won't fly.
0: Yep. They recommended that the operator should establish a procedure to remove or de-roster any crew member found to be stressed, fatigued, or emotionally disturbed. They literally just said, fire him. Yep. In this case, yeah,
1: he probably shouldn't have been flying.
0: There's a lot of things wrong there.
1: Probably. No, he shouldn't have been. He
0: shouldn't have been flying. They recommended that the operator should re-examine its system to ensure that all relevant documentation is being reviewed and updated in a timely manner. This has to do more with the charts of the airports that the operator had in their standard operating procedures and were training on that they weren't updated or reviewed. So information was incorrect and it was out of date. They recommended that the operator should revise their training process to include a circling approach for runway two zero at Kathmandu in the tra- in the simulator training. So in other words, they found themselves trying to land on the opposite runway from what they almost always land on, which is 02, and they had no idea how to do it. They had no idea where they were, but then when they figured out where they were, they still didn't know how to do it. They recommended that the operator should reassess its pre-flight briefing to ensure that a proper pre-flight briefing is given to the crew by the dispatcher and is carried out. So they want like better oversight, basically. That, one, that one's worded poorly, but they want better oversight of the pre-flight briefings for the crews.
1: So they're not done four flights before the actual flight?
0: Yeah, and they're not done in short. They need to be thought up. They recommended that the operators should revise their training process to include provisions of safety pilot training during Kathmandu route clearance training for less experienced pilots. This is just to say that they need to have a lot closer watch on training Of lesser experienced pilots, especially when operating into Kathmandu, one of the notoriously most difficult to operate in and out of international airports in the world.
2: That and Lukla.
0: Yeah, well, Lukla is the most dangerous airport in the world in general. This one, as a major international airport, notoriously because of the mountains on all sides, just makes it very, very difficult to operate in and out of. The procedures have to be very, very closely followed.
2: Otherwise, stuff like this happens and people die.
0: Kathmandu's record... Of accidents is very, very high compared to most airports because the procedures are so, so strict and difficult to follow. It really has to be trained closely. They recommend that the operator should ensure that line oriented safety audits should be carried out periodically. So, audit everything that's going on with the airline. They found that the operator should encourage the pilots to be specific regarding the medical issues and habits in the medical self declaration form. So, telling your pilots. Tell them everything. Just tell them everything.
1: And be truthful on the form.
0: They recommended to the operator. They recommended that the operator should reinforce firm policy regarding no smoking in aircraft and have a system in place to monitor it proactively and take actions accordingly. This
2: like just... a smoke detector.
1: Yeah,
0: which there are, but this just doesn't
1: or happen. Making <laughs> sure there isn't cigarettes in the pilot's bag. This, this whole thing was
0: just insane. This just doesn't happen. Like, it doesn't happen. In most countries. It doesn't happen at most airlines. Pilots just don't even think about it. They don't even... These days just wouldn't light a cigarette in the cockpit. It just doesn't happen.
1: Well, he did, and this was two years ago. And
0: I don't know... That just amazes me. That really... That blew my mind.
2: The first time I read it, I had to go back and reread it, and I... What? What? You did what in the... Again, It just blew my mind. Legal. It's illegal. (laughs) Legal.
0: It's been so long since smoking was legal in airplanes at this point. It's like, think, let alone for crews.
2: I think we talked about it at one point. It was like 1995. Yeah, I think that was And here. that's
0: just for passengers. For crew members, I'm sure it's been illegal for a long time.
2: A lot longer. For fairly obvious reasons.
0: Yeah, it's highly distracting. Um, smoke filling the cockpit makes it extremely hard to do your job.
2: Well, and at one point he dropped the cigarette. Yeah. I have dropped my cigarette. Let me find the thing. Do you know where I have dropped it? It is on the left. There is possibility of catching fire.
1: He's aware of the problem. Probably why we shouldn't be smoking in a cockpit.
0: Yeah, this is just, oh, it just gets, yeah. Okay, final section. Two more recommendations. These were to the Civil Aviation Authority of Nepal. So the C-A-A-N. So they cover both the C-A-A-B and the C-A-A-N, both countries.
1: I'm guessing these are about ATC?
0: Yes. (laughs) How'd you guess? It's the only thing that I can think of from Nepal. You're correct. They recommended to the CAAN to strengthen the capacity of the air traffic control training program so that the instructions and clearances are more assertive, especially in abnormal situations. So they basically want to make sure that, first of all, regular training is happening for air traffic controllers, but that that training also has them being more assertive and short about clearances and of their instructions to crews, to flight crews. Because, and we didn't make this very clear, but they cleared him to land like eight times on two different runways.
1: Yeah. Mm, and they great. didn't follow any of those. They And we talked about this. They probably should have told the plane where they were at some point. Like, hey, you're uh, way off out there somewhere. We right. don't know where you are. Which they uh, kind
0: of did when they were like, hey, you're supposed to be landing on zero two, but you're approaching two zero. What are you doing?
1: Yeah. They probably should have said that when they deviated off course. Like, really where clear. are you going? <laughs> it was
0: really clear that this airplane had no idea where they were or where they were going. Finally, they recommended to the CAAN that air traffic controllers should be more vigilant and shall visually look out for aircraft after the landing clearance has been issued in visual conditions. So, in other words, the air traffic controllers, and I just, I don't know. I mean, I feel like they still were looking at the airplane, but once they cleared them to land, they really should have been following the airplane all the way to the ground. That's kind of what they're saying. Yeah. Especially because they were in visual conditions. So I they mean, were visually flying the airplane. There
1: there was so little they probably could have done about that, though. I,
0: I, and Especially I think with it's, the
1: pilot being belligerent the way he was. Yeah.
0: I understand where the air traffic controllers made some mistakes. They were very confused, but they were in a really high-stress situation, too, because they basically had a rogue airplane. This This airplane was in the wrong place, doing all the wrong things, going to the wrong runway, completely ignoring all their instructions, basically. And so, yeah, they said some confusing things. They were just trying to get the situation under control, and they just couldn't seem to. And I don't think that's their fault. To blame them is really just... Is negligent of what actually happened.
1: Yeah, they were probably maybe five percent of the problem, if that. If yeah. that, yeah. like I think this of the entire
0: the captain, thing. I think the captain was just so far gone. Unfortunately, it was doomed.
2: I don't they think there's anything, anything right. air traffic control could have done to change the situation. No, there really wasn't. And I feel that this recommendation is in here more for political reasons. Sure, and probably. that's true. There was
0: one Bengali investigator on this board one and so that's where i think commission yes on this commission i think that's where that's where bangladesh had a problem they were like we're really underrepresented here
2: well
1: not only that i understand that part of my issue too is they kept saying oh no it's atc it's atc because i feel like they didn't want to take responsibility for the fact that their pilot was completely and utterly not doing what he was supposed to And they didn't want to take that on. So they're like, oh, no, 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 no. It's ATC's fault. And Nepal's like, uh. What? Excuse you? (laughs) Like. In what uh, world do you live in? Like, ATC, okay, ATC made some mistakes. But did you hear everything that was happening on this flight? Did you listen to the cockpit voice recorder? Right. I have a feeling that you didn't. (laughs) Because, obviously, there was nothing done properly.
0: Right. And then at the very bottom of the report, they put this (laughs) cute little picture. That's weird. Isn't it?
2: They put, like, smiley faces.
0: Yeah, they put little Look, smiley faces. Like a faces. temple in the middle. Yeah, little smiley faces in a temple at the very bottom of the, the report. I
1: don't know why you'd put smiley faces at the bottom of a report.
0: Anyways, that's that's the whole of it. I know that was kind of a long one, but this one was... It was interesting and definitely maddening, and I... Horrible. Oh, it just... There's so Horrible. many things wrong. I it You know, I, I understand when there's a little bit of something wrong happens, and that can really cause some big things to happen. But with this... This was insane. I feel like this was... God, I don't even know. I mean, I don't know how to put it. I feel like this was so highly unprofessional. It just blows my mind.
2: That this could happen.
1: Or the fact that you would even think. Like, the fact that he thought it was okay, even in the little part of the recording that we've talked about, okay? That he thought it was okay to talk to anybody like that. And then continuously talk about stuff that isn't appropriate for what they're doing. Because we've talked about this before. When you're on long flights, and you're at a certain point in your the flight schedule... Yeah. You can talk about some personal stuff and whatnot, but being completely inappropriate and vulgar and then it kinda of putting into perspective to the first officer, like, you don't know what you're doing, but I know what I'm doing because I'm a good person, because I'm a good flight instructor, even though this person says I wasn't and blah 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 blah, you know? It's just proves such high amount of I, I I want to know what he was thinking that
2: made him think it was okay. I don't know. This whole thing, it was disgusting. Again, I was disgusted reading this. It was atrocious and
0: ugh. Yeah, yeah. But that was U.S. Bangla Airlines Flight 211.
1: Thanks for the recommendation. I, I like this one. I got to get mad at this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She walked in the door. I'm like, you gonna get real mad tonight. Oh, I am mm, I can't even...
0: So we have a lot more to talk about in our post episode oh, yeah. on this one.
1: So if you want to go listen to that, you got to be a patron, at least a $5 patron. Or, what is it? Economy?
2: No, business class.
1: Business class. Business class. So we got to be a business class listener in order to listen to the post episodes on these episodes.
2: It's worth it, I swear. We're a lot of fun.
0: It's yeah. mostly not talk about this stuff. But this it's- is
1: like, we need to talk about it because we can't talk about some of this stuff on this platform that platform is uncensored so
0: but we hope that you enjoyed this anyways i mean it was a heck of a thing it really was
1: yeah and uh again thanks for the recommendation keep them coming we like doing recommendations
2: and if you want to have a conversation about us you can about this you can start a post on our social media anything like that we would love to hear from you guys Yeah. yeah
1: and have a great week we'll talk to you next week
2: stay safe stay healthy Keep, Keep your speed up. Please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hardlandings Podcast and on Twitter at Landings Pod. Also, subscribe and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're using to listen. If
0: you want to see photos and sources for this episode, please visit us at Hardlandingspodcast.com, where you can also leave us feedback and ask questions.
1: This episode was researched
2: and written by Nick and Christy.
0: Our theme song was written by Miranda and performed by all three of us, plus Leo.
2: And our logo is by Naomi, and our social media is coordinated by Sonora.
0: Catch you next time.